Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of This Must Be Pop. This episode is part one of our InSync episodes. You may notice this episode lacks some of the social commentary of other episodes we may put out. It was interesting to listen and edit to this one after doing our One Direction episode, which is full of social critiques. A couple of things to note, boy bands during this era, the late 90s, early 2000s, they rose to fame prior to 9-11 when the United States was in a good place both politically and economically. Combine the rise of upbeat and happy pop music reminiscent of those times with parents' disposable incomes, the late 90s, early 2000s was truly the golden era of boy bands. During that time, it was not as common for public figures to take political stances. Historically, aside from maybe the Beatles, most boy bands, including NSYNC, have been apolitical. It's so they can appeal to a wider audience. One item I want to emphasize, and I hope this doesn't get lost in the episode, is NSYNC were heavily influenced by a lot of Black artists that came before them. They did give these artists credit for their influence of their sound and dancing. It is arguable whether or not they crossed into cultural appropriation with some of their hairstyles, but I'll have you be the judge of that one. It was the late 90s after all. Also, we encountered some audio issues while in the studio recording, so we apologize if you hear a bit of an echo. Secondly, we also ran out of time in the studio, so the last 20 minutes were recorded after the fact via Zoom, which is why the audio sounds a little differently there. However, we've got some really great content on what is the first part of a two-part episode about NSYNC. We hope you all enjoy. Welcome, everyone. This is Anna and Cece. Hi, everyone. We are starting the podcast off with a big swing and a personal favorite of ours, In Sync. We actually have plans to do a couple of other boy bands first, but due to unforeseen circumstances, we're starting off with one of the biggies. This episode, we're going to talk about our own memories and experiences surrounding the group, and then we're going to do a deep dive into some of their songs on three of their albums. Usually we are joined by our co-host Liz, but she's actually on vacation right now. Plus we love her, but she's a Backstreet Boys fan exclusively. So today we have a friend on the show and fellow NSYNC fan, Tina. Welcome, Tina. Thank you for having me. This is wild. Yeah, I know. It's so exciting to have you here. So NSYNC history. Formed in 1995, founding member Chris Kirkpatrick invited former Mickey Mouse Club and alums Justin Timberlake and J.C. Chazé to form a vocal harmony group similar to the barbershop quartets and do-up groups of years past. Looking for singers in a lower range to round out the sound, they brought in mutual friend and baritone Joey Fatone and then later Lance Bass, the bass singer. The group first achieved success in Germany in 1996-97, followed by success in the rest of Europe and then Canada. Then finally in July 1998, the Disney Channel concert special, four months after the release of their U.S. debut album, finally solidifying success in the United States. Their sophomore release, No Strings Attached, came immediately after their lawsuit with former manager Lou Pearlman in early 2000. That album went on to become one of the biggest selling albums of all time. After the release of their final album, Celebrity, in 2001, and the Celebrity Tour 
In April 2002, the group went on a break. And aside from a couple of appearances, they have never formally reunited. All right, so now we're going to get into our origin stories. So, Cece, do you want to get us started on when you first heard about NSYNC and your memories surrounding them? I would love to. Um, so I would have been about 11 when the Disney special aired and that was really my introduction to NSYNC um, and it was just like the perfect time. So I was still, um, Hanson was always my first, but I was also a big Disney channel watcher um, growing up. I, I do distinctly remember the concert airing on Disney and then NSYNC was not my first concert, but they were the first boy band concert I went to with like a bunch of girlfriends. And I was trying to remember on my way here when that would have been. And I, I can't remember what year it was, but I distinctly remember being at Olive Garden for dinner before we went to (laughs) to the venue it was in San Diego. And so that concert was really fun. We were like in the nosebleeds. We were so far up. But when I tell you we had, you know, all, all of us had insane shirts. I think there was like a lot of body glitter, which was like a big thing. Oh, yeah. Um, it was like really a special event. And in sync, I don't have any not so great memories associated with them. I always, it's, I mean, I think all of my boy band, except for not marrying Zach Hansen, is like been a positive memories for me. And they're, I mean, tearing up my heart even now when I listen to it, it it's like a, a nostalgia that's such a jam for me. It's on all of my running playlists because it really kind of pumps me up. I always, you know, Justin Timberlake has had a successful solo career, but JC was um, and still is my favorite NSYNC member. I know we will get into that further. He was the, I remember he was the one that I would always watch on stage or, or like if it was a concert that was airing on TV or something. So that's kind of my NSYNC story. Both you and I shared the fact that we first saw NSYNC at the Disney concert special. Well, not at the Disney, while viewing the Disney <laughs> concert special. <laughs> I wish we, we were get there. To go, yeah. <laughs> that was how they were introduced to a lot of folks within the United States. And, but there definitely were a lot of fans that didn't get into them until after, like our friend Tina here. So Tina, do you want to go through your NSYNC origin story? Sure. So I was late to the game. I didn't become a fan until very specifically the November 2001 teen people issue. Uh, They were on the cover. They were dressed as biker gang. And I was homesick from school for a couple of weeks. And my mom went out to the pharmacy and got me some medication and brought back this magazine. And I read the whole magazine cover to cover with the exception of the story because I didn't care at the time. And after a few days, I was still homesick, bored out of my mind. So I decided to read the NSYNC story. And it was one of the greatest things that I had ever read as a 12 or 13 year old. And it was the first time I really had this realization that They weren't just these dancing monkeys on a stage. They were actual people and they had personalities and they were funny because this wasn't a typical question and answer kind of interview. The journalist was sitting in a hotel conference room with them and they were having lunch and just being goofy dudes. (laughs) 
And the way that it was written really just painted a picture of who they were as people and how they interacted with each other. And to sound really cheesy, I fell in love with their personalities. So I had known who they were musically before. It it was hard to ignore because their songs were everywhere and all my peers were listening to their music. So of course I knew bye, bye, bye. And I knew it's going to be me and tearing up my heart. But that was just sort of background music to me at the time. But after that magazine article, I started reading everything I possibly could about NSYNC because I was hooked. So that was my, that's my origin story. I think I caught up pretty quickly. Um, But of course, being late to the game, what was so tragic was, of course, they disbanded soon after. It's just so interesting because I never read that Teen People article until until we connected, and I totally understand why you fell in love with them. Really well written article that really highlighted their personalities really really well. It's it's too bad that I feel like you missed so much that happened three years prior to that though. I know <laughs> it's tragic, but fortunately, soon after their YouTube came into existence, so. I was still I was still holding on tight to the hope that they were going to come back together and I was following their every move and clipping out every magazine article I possibly could that even mentioned them. So by the time YouTube rolled around, I was able to watch all the concert footage that I had missed and all of the interviews. So I've I've seen it all, I think. <laughs> Because you were so late in the game, did you feel any stigma or did anyone make fun of you for liking NSYNC? My family did. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately, I had a group of friends at the time who were big into the pop music scene and they were, we just called ourselves teeny boppers. We owned it. Um, But my family made fun of me about it, of course. I mean, I have an older brother, so of course that's what older brothers do. They make fun of their younger siblings. And my parents were like, oh my God, she's turning into one of those. (laughs) (laughs) They probably thought that they avoided that entirely. Exactly. And what irritated me to no end and still irritates me to this day was one of their final performances together where they did the tribute to the Bee Gees. I believe that was at the Grammys. And they sang a cappella, a Bee Gees medley. And my parents had watched it. I didn't watch it for some reason. And they said to me the next morning, they were like, yeah, we saw the sync tribute to the Bee Gees and well, they were actually really good. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, duh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been telling you this. I've been telling you this for years. And by years, I mean probably a year. <laughs> but it feels like forever when you're that age, right? Because of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. To the listeners, if you haven't watched the NSYNC Bee Gees tribute that they performed. I believe it was in 2003 or 2004. It is fantastic. Their harmonies are on display and it's just an an incredible performance. It's one of the few performances where I feel like Justin's beatboxing skills are really, I wouldn't say appropriate because I mean, they were written into the songs, of course, but they just, they worked really well and for me, who's not necessarily a huge fan of beatboxing, I 
I really appreciated it. And I was glad that he was able to bring that talent of his to the stage. It's arguable whether that's a talent or not, but <laughs> <laughs> he practiced really hard. But I, I do agree that the beatboxing does feel more appropriate there than, you know, the 30 seconds at the end of pop. <laughs> yeah, I never understood that, but it was it was really more of a look what I can do kind of a thing. Yeah. Cuz I know I know he he talked about how Dale Gotbato from the I don't know if I pronounced his name right. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. yeah but from the Mickey Mouse Club, yeah. he he heard him doing it and had been practicing for years. Yeah. So I feel like he probably knew that that was in Sync's last album and was like, "All right, I got to get this on an album before this is all over." Now I want to get into my reasons why I believe that NSYNC is the best boy band that has ever existed, at least from that time period. And I know CeCe's already like no, feeling no. very uncomfortable. No, 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 I'm not because I don't think I could make this the same argument for the Backstreet Boys. I mean, so I'm not as emotionally like attached to the Backstreet Boys as you are to NSYNC. I have, I have nothing against what you're going to say. I was literally okay. just adjusting because my back was <laughs> <laughs> Well, so to be completely honest, I liked both bands. I did lean more in sync because I had yep. more of a connection to them when I was a kid. You know, that's just a personal preference thing. What I'm about to say is things that I discovered as I became older with the knowledge of music that I have now and the research that I've done specifically for this podcast, this is the conclusion that I have made. And it's as objective as I could possibly get. So the first reason, and I think that this is the most obvious reason, is NSYNC were the better dancers. They collaborated a lot more with really cool choreographers like Darren Hansen. Their dance moves were a little bit more intricate. So the argument that NSYNC were better dancers, even Backstreet Boys fans can agree that they yeah. just were within their... Um, I also, I mean, their dances were almost iconic. Bye 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 obviously being the most obvious. Right. I remember trying to learn that. I mean, I still could do it to this day. I mean, I think they also just had the monopoly on iconic dances that people wanted to learn how to do. Yeah, and the only really iconic Backstreet Boys dance is the Everybody Dance, and it's just... Yeah, I don't even like know what that I, I know that song obviously but yeah. I don't even remember the dance moves from it yeah the other the thing though that the Backstreet Boys were kind of smart to do was to not have crazy dance moves because they're still touring and they're in their you know 40s and early 50s they can still do those dance moves because yeah. they weren't as complicated yeah if NSYNC were to get back together today with them being in their mid 40s they probably wouldn't be able to do <laughs> those same dance moves they pro they're probably not doing backflips on the stage no <laughs> Notice when they did Coachella and they did Tearing Up My Heart, when they were younger, they did Down on My Knees, that line, and they actually got down on oh their knees. Health. But that during, hurts my but during body Coachella, they they remained standing. Yeah, they they just, they, all they did was they pointed down. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But wasn't there a video that came out somewhat recently of some of the Backstreet Boys and some of the NSYNC members doing the Bye 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 dance? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I can't remember who, who was in that. It but. was AJ, Nick, and um, Joey, and Lance. Okay, yeah. Back Sync. But yeah, Back they sync. Yeah. but they did do the dance, but it wasn't as as intense. No. <laughs> they definitely didn't do they changed up the choreography for Bye 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 during the celebrity tour and it was the same choreography that they did during the MTV 
Video Music Awards where they performed with Justin in 2013, where they were jumping oh, quite yeah. high. Yeah. At least I think it's high. Um, uh, during Bye Bye Bye, where they they normally are just kind of bouncing before they do that iconic move, and that was impressive. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, at that point they were what in their in their thirties. Yeah, if we're in our thirties, and I well, I wouldn't do that. Okay, so moving on to their harmony arrangement. So a lot of folks don't know that NSYNC actually have a very unique harmony arrangement. They have a five part harmony arrangement where most other boy banders um, or boy band groups, they actually stick to either three or four part harmony. In comparison to the Backstreet Boys, they have three baritones and two tenors. In sync, they actually have, and I'm going to start from the highest to the lowest. So we have Chris Kirkpatrick, who is a counter tenor, which is actually from a vocalist standpoint, it's actually really rare to have a male vocalist who is a counter tenor. And if you don't know what a counter tenor is, so it's basically a male equivalent to a soprano. And then we have JC, who has, he's technically a tenor, but he has a four octave range. And he sings both the high and low harmonies. So he kind of weaves throughout the songs. And then we have Justin, who is a tenor. He has a three octave range. And then we have Joey, who is also a weaver. He's technically a baritone, but he will weave in between the high and low harmonies in songs. And then Lance Bass, who's the bass. And Lance being a true bass singer is actually something unique that you don't see in a lot of other boy bands. And especially to have both a bass singer and a countertenor in the same group, in the same vocal harmony arrangement is actually really impressive. And what it does is it creates a much rounder sound. And you're also going to get more complex harmonies within that sound. And because they have more complex harmonies, they're going to have much more intricacies within their songs. Does that necessarily make them a better band? No, but it, it does create more of a complexity to the songs that they sing. Now, some of the best songs showcasing NSYNC's harmony arrangement are The Lion Sleeps Tonight, More Than a Feeling, their cover of the Boston song, Trash in the Camp, which they did with Phil Collins, I Thought She Knew, and When You Wish Upon a Star. And then when it comes to their actual music, taste is subjective. So I can't say that NSYNC or Backstreet Boys had the better songs or, or any other boy band that has a better song. I'm not going to make a comparison and do a side-by-side -side analysis because I just don't think it's fair. But one thing that I can say NSYNC did that Backstreet Boys didn't song-wise is that, or is two things actually. One, Backstreet Boys were really ballad-heavy. They did have some up-tempo songs, which were fantastic and honestly some of my favorite songs that they've done. But NSYNC had much more up-tempo songs. So if your preference is more towards up-tempo, then you probably liked NSYNC more. And also, NSYNC collaborated a lot with other artists, which you didn't really see Backstreet Boys doing. You saw this when they collaborated with Phil Collins, Pharrell, and the Neptunes, Nelly, and Gloria Stefan, Alabama, just to name a few. And then, of course, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. So a variety of different artists from different genres influencing their sound. Again, this doesn't necessarily make them a better band. But what it does say is they were able to take a little bit more risks than other boy bands. Backstreet Boys kind of stuck to the formula and they worked with Max Martin a lot. And that formula worked for them and they made great songs. NSYNC just had a variety of different influences. They were willing to collaborate with different perspectives. 
Does that sound like an objective analysis, Cece? Yes, I think that was great. I do. I will say that you gave Backstreet Boys their due and that some of the stuff they did was better. But we also are going to have a whole other episode to talk about them. Exactly. So. And we're going there. Honestly, there are some things that I truly do believe the Backstreet Boys did better. Yeah. And yes, we are going to get into that in their episode. And their episode is going to be super fun because it's going to be after we see them in concert. So yes, I can't wait because yeah. I've never seen them in concert. Yes. And this will be my first time. And my first time, too. I'm 35. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I didn't even. Oh my god! What? I have a. Okay, I have a. I have something for you guys. Uh oh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh wow. This just took me back. That's the shirt I oh had. Oh my god. Okay. Oh my so, god! You still have these? So for the listeners, I yesterday I went to my parents' house and I found all my old CDs. Oh my god. And these are all my InSync CDs. So um, I have the self-titled album, huge crack in it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I have the single <gasps> that wow. they did of music of my hearts. And of course I had to buy this. And yep, it's got both the album version and the Hex Hector remix. Look at her oh. hair on that. Oh, it's so late nineties. I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, all their hair is very late nineties on this. Fantastic. And then I have their Christmas album, which oh. we're actually not going to be talking about their Christmas album on this episode one for a time. And two, I actually, for the holidays, I really want to do a special episode yeah. on all the boy band Christmas music. And then there's No Strings Attached. Big crack in that one, too. Big crack in this one. <laughs> and then the Celebrity album. I love the cover of that album. Wow. Yeah. It's hysterical. It's a really cool cover. And I kind of, I forgot that it, like... There's silver in it. Oh, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> and then the On the Line soundtrack. <gasps> That's like the unicorn of of soundtracks. Yeah, it's not available on Spotify. But well, in its entirety, is not available on Spotify. So have a look. Go through the albums. Oh my God, <laughs> I don't know um, so if I recall this movie. <gasps> Wait, you've never seen On the Line? It's a cinematic masterpiece. Like I'm sure that I was have snubbed seen it, at the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really cheesy rom com. So if you like really cheesy yeah, rom coms, it's it's up there. I'm sure I'm sure I've seen it, but I just don't like it's not bringing back any memories. But there's me, there's a few original InSync songs yeah. on there. So Great. my favorite thing about this cover, even though I. I love the boys on this cover, but it's this old lady with the glasses <laughs> in the corner. So, so, so Tina is currently pointing at the celebrity album, and there's just an old lady in the in the bottom right corner, just so excited that Sink <laughs> is there. That's gonna be us when they finally reunite, <laughs> and we'll be like, they'll be in their eighties. Yeah. And <laughs> wait, we'll, so there's we'll a lot of. This. There's a lot of old ladies on this on this cover. Have you? Th this isn't the only one. Yeah, there's there's, there is another one who looks equally as excited. I think oh, there's yeah, a, and then there's another one too. Yeah, there's like four of them. It's like find find it's the like old ladies on the on the album cover. <laughs> I could be mistaken, but I feel like those were people they knew. Maybe either that or they were photoshopped in. But I know that there <laughs> were. I know that their actual bodyguards are on. That album yeah. cover. Oh, it was that's nice of them yeah. to include them. That's really funny. But yeah, I wanted to bring these in so that you guys can like look through them 
you know, look through the books and all that. Yeah, the, this like, is a full nostalgia moment. I almost feel like this should be a, in a museum. <laughs> oh, I love these. And I loved, I'm. that's what I miss about buying CDs is that you don't get to see the album notes. Yeah. This picture of Chris at the grocery store. Wait, what? Let me oh, see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so Cece is going through the celebrity album. And there's a photo of Chris at the grocery store in the booklet. Just That's so random. <laughs> like, why? And Joey Fatone cooking in a diner. I, this is a weird. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's supposed to be a play on celebrity, like, we're just regular people. We go to the grocery store. We maybe, cook yeah. our own food. <laughs> Maybe. So this makes me feel like even more of a failure of an NSYNC fan that they printed the lyrics to their songs in the booklet. (laughs) And I still don't know some of the words and I just make them up as I sing. (laughs) God, this no strings attached, like the actual CD, the orange and iconic. Yeah. Like I remember going to the stores, you know, and like getting in line. This takes me back nice. to 22 years ago. Yeah. Well, they all have their own thank yous in here. Yeah. Yeah. They did that for the self-titled album, too, and they all thanked Lou, and I'm like, that didn't age well. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. One of Justin's to sexual chocolate. Like, <laughs> those are their bodyguards. Oh. Randy, Wes, Todd, Lonnie, Dre, and Mike. They actually, they mentioned that in Just Got Paid when they perform it live, and they do that little mini skit yeah. in the middle where they're trying to get into the club. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's Lonnie who's standing on the stage with them and he's reading off the list to see if they're on the list. And he said, oh, InSync knows sexual chocolate. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. But he lets them in anyway. <laughs> this Reading these reminds me of like um, what you would write in your friend's yearbooks, like at the end of, you yeah. know, whatever yeah. year. You know, it's, it's just like these like funny inside jokes almost right like thanks to my big brothers or i want to give a shout out to jimmy vegas pimp daddy ryan it's primetime g like what's that i don't know inside (laughs) jokes yeah it's just funny inside jokes from the yearbook and i think in one of them jc references an old commercial i think from like the early 80s maybe even late 70s he says pretty sneaky hosses what and does that mean? And it's from it's from a commercial. I can't remember what commercial it's for. It's for like a some kind of a toy, but he actually puts it in there. It's like, of course, why didn't you just put "Where's the beef" in here? <laughs> Got milk. Exactly. <laughs> this self-titled album. I mean, this booklet is so. It's just like it's so different. Looking at "No Strings Attached" or like any right. of the other later ones. I mean, this is. There but was, in my opinion, the best album. Yeah. I want to say it's a Rolling Stones interview or uh, an article, not quite an interview, where they talk about shooting the images for the self-titled album. And they describe each of the guys. And this is how I, I think you and I have described JC, which is he looks like this old-fashioned movie star from, you know, Decades and decades ago, where he's just classic handsome, right? Right. He's JC the only one on there looking over his shoulder back at the camera, which I feel like is a very super like, classically <laughs> uh, handsome movie star pose. 
Right. You know, like, no one can see me do that except people in the room. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so we are going to start with a song-by-song analysis of NSYNC's self-titled album. Released in 1997 in Europe, the U.S. singles were I Want You Back, Tearing Up My Heart, God Must Have Spended a Little More Time on You, and I Drive Myself Crazy. In Europe, they had some additional singles that were released. They released Here We Go, For the Girl Who Has Everything, You Drive Me Crazy, and Together Again. And the last two were only released on their European version of the album. One thing to note is JC leads a lot of the songs on this album, and a lot of people don't realize that. He is the only featured solo singer on three of the songs on the album, and Justin is in a lot of the songs too. Chris, Joey, Lance, they all have some solos on this album, which you get less and less of as each album progresses. So it is really nice to hear Joey, Chris, and Lance all singing. Can I Uh, jump in just for a second? Sure, absolutely. You can jump in anytime. Okay. I have a theory as to why Justin didn't sing as many solos on the first album, which was he was really young. He was Mm -hmm. maybe, what, between the ages of 14 and 16. Yeah, I think when they recorded, he was probably 15 15 or 16. Yeah, so he's still in that period of time where his voice is changing, and it's it's a transition, and it's hard, I think, for a lot of male vocalists to train and have sort of a consistency in their tone without their voices cracking or there being... It, it's. I think it's harder for them to control their vocals as their voices are changing. So I think that was probably, JC was a safer bet. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, that I don't think I've ever considered. One thing that I kind of noticed about this entire album, and I listened to this <laughs> at length um, many times, just as preparation for this episode of the podcast, it's definitely not super cohesive. There are some songs that are more Euro pop. There are some songs that are more R&B. It, there's not like a cohesive sound throughout. There's some songs that are and some songs that definitely aren't. But it, it just feels to me after listening to this to this album so many times, it just feels to me that they threw so many songs together on this album. I think a lot of that had to do also with the fact that they were sort of the redheaded stepchild of the Lou Pearlman uh, talent stable. So by the time they got over to Europe, they were sort of Backstreet Boys junior and probably got a lot of the the leftovers from songs that had been written for them. Right. So they really, they really had to fight. Yeah, and actually tearing up my heart, which we're going to listen to now, was actually given to the Backstreet Boys first, and they turned it down, and then NSYNC got basically their table scraps. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, what's funny is that that was how they became really big in the States. Exactly. All right, so now we're going to listen to Tearing Up My Heart. All right, ladies, thoughts, feelings, anything that you want to say in regards to Tearing Up My Heart? Can I say that while we were playing this, both you and I were dancing and trying to do the choreography while we're sitting here. <laughs> it's so hard. It's it's impossible to not 
do that with this song. Well, I can't. I can't sit still when I'm listening to their songs. If I'm if I'm driving, it's a mess. <laughs> oh man, I don't want to be on the road when you're on the road. Yeah, no, I have to. I have to stop myself from listening to NSYNC in my car because it it gets dangerous. Them and the Backstreet Boys because you can't help like doing the dramatic yeah. hand gestures. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty evident that this song is. Definitely led by JC. JC is singing the the melody, and his voice is consistent throughout the the chorus. Um, you really notice JC's harmony with Chris. Yes, and it's it's one of the times where it you actually really get to hear that harmony very clearly because a lot of times you only hear it sort of as they're all singing together, and so the voice is. I mean, it's part of that that sound where it's very rounded and it it all just kind of blends together. But it's nice to be able to actually be able to pick out his voice and the harmony. Yeah, Chris blends so perfectly with both JC and Justin. I mean, all their voices blend together, but I love when Chris adds his harmony to the song because I think it really elevates it and puts it at a different level. There's two things that stand out in my mind when I listen to this. The, the first is now the Coachella performance that they did with Ariana Grande and how great it was to hear them do the song again and see them perform live, of course, but how they were able to work Ariana and to do the, the parts that Justin was supposed to do, but he was on tour at the time. So I, I think of that choreography and how exciting it was to see them, but also just how good they were. They had so much energy still, and that just blows me away still. So that's now the first thing I think of. But the other thing I think of is the No Strings Attached tour where they, they're they leading into the song and Justin says, J.C., sing and JC just comes <laughs> skipping out onto the stage and just blows it away and it's and not only does he skip out onto the stage singing his little heart out but then he sprints across the stage while singing and now as I'm older and actually realizing how how difficult that is. Yeah, I got get winded going up the stairs. Yeah, so exactly, like exactly. Running across I mean, the stage it, and singing without getting winded or without being too breathy. Yeah, I mean, not, not even breathy, but like you can't even, his voice doesn't even shake. Right. It's crazy. He's, he's, there's no way that JC is human. <laughs> he does a backflip right before the second verse. Him and Chris do, right. do a backflip. And then he just picks up the microphone and start singing like it's no big deal. And this really highlights his athleticism. Yeah, and his lung capacity and breath control for sure. Yeah. And then so the other thing about the song that I think is really cool and it kind of follows what a lot of other boy band songs and and Max Martin songs follow where there's emphasis on certain words. <laughs> like the emphasis on the you and when we are apart I feel too like I mean it hits at certain points and it just it creates this like really cool emphasis on certain words and Max Martin just you know melody is king to Max Martin and everything is there to service the melody right so it is a super catchy song and there's certain words that you they just really get you going genius overall just freaking genius 
so the next song on the album is I Just Want to Be With You. Any thoughts on that? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say this is a filler song. I feel like that's kind of insulting, but it it's a little bit, I always think, bow, chicka, wow, wow, <laughs> when I hear this song. It's definitely 90s R&B. Yeah. Kind of taking a little bit from New Jack Swing, too, which were definitely a huge influence on not only NSYNC, but a lot of the other boy bands of that time. So the next song on the album is Here We Go. Any thoughts on this one? I always laugh when I think about this one because Lance says that it's his least favorite song. Oh, yes, that's right. And he hates it, and he hears this in his head every time they take off on an airplane. <laughs> Honestly, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, and me too. It's not my favorite song. But it's catchy as hell. Oh, it's catchy. Yeah. yeah, it's totally catchy. I just, you know. And it's definitely, you know, NSYNC's version of Motown Philly. Yeah. It has a very similar beat to it. And the fact that it's, because Motown Philly was just like, here we are, we're boys to men. Like, literally, they say it in the song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of their version of calling out who they are, like, name-checking themselves and you know, just this is us. This is in sync. That was the other reason Lance hated it because he doesn't like name checking. Exactly. Okay, so the next song that we're going to listen to is For the Girl Who Has Everything. Now, this is one of the few songs on the album where JC is leading, but one thing to note is the single version that was released in Europe, uh, Justin actually has a verse. And there's also a really cool collaboration between Justin and JC in the single version at the very end of the song. I love their harmonies. I mean, we've been making all these facial expressions while watching it. I mean, Chris is singing an entire octave higher than everyone yeah, else. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And... JC and Justin are like in a vocal competition in that song, especially that version of the song. And when they do it live, it's just like they're they're just trying to like up one each other. And it's so cool to listen yeah. to the version, the studio version, the recorded version that's on the album. You don't get that. Right. Because that was just JC. It was. Yeah. Like 90 percent JC. Yeah. <laughs> JC has someone that he's harmonizing with. It's not just mm -hmm. him singing and then they, the rest of them are basically acting as backup singers. Hey everyone, we are interrupting this episode of the podcast because <laughs> to be completely honest, we took a lot of time talking about For the Girl Who Has Everything, probably at least a half hour. So we, we ran out of time in the studio and then we were like, we'll get back to it. And then we just never did. So Tina and I are actually recording this after the fact, and we are going to talk about God must have spent a little more time on you. So this is a song where JC and Justin really have a nice co-lead. And another thing to note about the song is that there is a version that they did with Alabama that has more of a country flair to it. I love the country version. The first time I heard it was actually recently. It, it popped up on my Spotify and I was about to change it because I don't normally like covers and it was, it was great. I mean, I love that they, you know, sort of, they, they mesh them together so perfectly and it really didn't take away from the fact that it was an in sync song at all. Personally, I'm not a huge country fan, but I really do appreciate how NSYNC has just always 
collaborated with so many different styles of musicians and the fact that they collaborated with both a country band and then a couple of years later they collaborated with Nelly is just kind of cool yeah. to see the variety as well as the progression. Their style is so versatile. It just shows that they're so well respected across the music industry at all ends from you know American hip hop to country to Latin music. So moving on to You Got It, it's definitely a Europop song. A lot of people may consider the song as a throwaway song or a filler, but in the either third verse or the bridge where there's a really cool like harmony point in the song and it, it sounds very doo-wop-y, which I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And you would never think to hear this in a Euro pop song, but here it is. Five part harmony is very strong in this very cheesy song. <laughs> it's so great. I mean, this is one of those songs I've listened to this album front to back so many times. And this is one of those songs where, you know, you, you might sort of zone out a little bit, but you find yourself still like bopping, bopping to it and like grooving along to it. Cause it's, it's good. Like you said, it's cheesy, but it's, it's good. This song for some reason really sticks out at me because they performed this on the Disney channel concert special. And I just remember Justin's pants being extra swooshy in this song. <laughs> That that says something given given how popular swooshy pants were at the time. <laughs> they were extra swooshy. It's just the way that they were dancing, it really emphasized the swooshiness. Okay, so the next song is I Need Love. And this is another Europop song. A lot of people may say that this is filler, including myself. However, this is one of the songs on the album where JC is leading the entire song. This one, again, you know, it, it's one of those things where you can kind of zone out listening to it. But for me, it's it's the lyrics that are just like, they're cheesy, but they're catchy. And then if you, if you sort of think about the lyrics without the music in the background, you're like, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> I need love. You need love. We all really need love. <laughs> this very is, simple. Very, it's very simple. It's very like you can you can see why it's it was geared toward a non-English speaking market. Right. It was very simple, very catchy. Kind of goes back to my point that I was making earlier in the album analysis that there's not a lot of cohesiveness in their debut album and you got it I need love those are the euro pop songs but the fact that a song like I need love is in the same album as like sailing or for the girl who has everything which kind of lean a little bit more R&B it just doesn't really make much sense yeah. I guess they're just kind of taking from a lot of popular music from the mid nineties. Right. So, and they're just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing what sticks. Yeah. I think that's exactly what they were doing. I think a lot of this was studios not wanting to take too much of a risk with, you know, bringing in the, the heavy hitters and the big names to work with a brand new artist. They weren't even sure it was going to work out yet. And my 
I think just like you said, that they were trying to find their sound and see what people reacted to and if they were going to react at all. Fortunately, they did. So speaking of songs that people reacted to, the next song is I Want You Back. (laughs) And a couple things to note about this song is that JC and Justin are co-leading technically, but this is actually the only song on the entire album that Justin is mostly leading. If you look at the streaming numbers for I Want You Back versus Tearing Up My Heart, Tearing Up My Heart has like four times the number of streams than I Want You Back, which is so interesting to me because I distinctly remember hearing I Want You Back way more back in the day. For the listeners and also for for you, Tina, I Want You Back was kind of the main song that was used in the promotion on the Disney Channel for the concert special. Now that you now that you mentioned, you know, that that was a big part of the promotion, it makes sense if you because there's no real like simple cutout lyric from tearing up my heart. You know, the the chorus is really catchy, but I want you back. That lyric stands out and it's sort of like an easy tagline for people to remember. This is definitely the first song that I heard of NSYNC. And I I will never forget the moment that I saw Justin with his blue eyes singing his heart out on the song in 98. It immediately drew you in because you're like, who are these guys? Okay, so the next song is Everything I Own. And JC and Justin definitely co-lead this one. This is a cover of a bread song. And you can hear solos from Joey, Chris, and Lance in this song, which I absolutely love. Lance has a speaking part in this. Everything I own. (laughs) Yeah, he kind of does sing. Oh, no, he has that little piece and he's like, oh, baby, my love for you will always be true. That's right. I forgot this is the song. And I remember reading an article and... Maybe it was an interview with Robin Wiley who said that Lance had this speaking part because they wanted to be able to showcase him because bassists don't normally sing any solos. You never hear them. They're just buried. So they gave him a speaking part in this song and he got so much grief from the other guy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's kind of reminiscent of the R&B groups from the New Jack Swing era, even to the older doo-wop groups. The bass singer would always kind of have like a little speaking role, like, hey girl, I know you've been alone, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So the next song is I Drive Myself Crazy or Thinking of You, I Drive Myself Crazy. So for the listeners, there are two versions of the song that were released. There is a Chris version, which was released predominantly in the United States. And there is a JC version that was released predominantly in Europe. And a couple of differences within the song. So the first verse of the Chris version, Chris is singing. And in the JC version, JC is singing the first verse. The instrumentals and production are a little bit different in both versions. I feel like the Chris version is a little bit better. The JC version has a really, really cheesy guitar solo. Which like the guitar solo. Yeah, how do you like the guitar solo? It's cute. (laughs) 
I was, I was talking about this with Sasha, who you'll hear on the JC episode. So the purpose of boy band music always is to both service the melody and to showcase the vocals of the singers and to showcase the harmonies. To have a guitar solo in a boy band song is a rarity. It's not supposed to be a thing. And the instruments are supposed to be secondary. They're really just there to service the melody and to kind of just be background, right? So in the curse version, instead of having the guitar solo, you have this really nice harmony arrangement. And that's what you're there for. That's 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 what you want to hear, right? I mean, it's so hard for me to choose which version I like better, the Chris version or the JC version. I feel like the song is so perfect for, for Chris's vocals. I love the fact that you actually get to hear Chris in this song because he has he has a great voice. You just don't get to hear him stand out as yeah. much. But I mean, JC just kills it vocally. I mean, he kills it on everything. On every, yeah. I mean, he does it on every song with the Chris version. It's Chris sings verse one, Justin sings verse two, JC kills it it on the bridge. Takes (laughs) it it home home on the bridge. Takes it home. Yeah. This is one of those songs where I didn't appreciate it as much when I was younger. And now coming back and listening to it now that I'm older, I'm normally somebody that will sort of skip over slower songs, especially if I'm not in the mood. But this one, I don't skip it. A lot of it is because of JC and those belts. Yep. I 100% agree with you. I liked the song back in the day, but now I have much more appreciation for it. I'm like, wow, this was a beautiful song. And live, it's phenomenal. I feel like out of all the NSYNC singles, this is definitely the most underrated for sure. I think so. Yeah. We're not going to talk about the music video. No. The music video for the listeners, it's problematic, but we're not going to talk about it because we like to keep it positive. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Okay. So the next song is Crazy For You. And this is a really nice JC Justin co-lead, but I kind of feel like this leans a little bit more JC. And one of the things that I love about this song is Joey with the high note. Yeah. When they do it in the live and they're like, give it to them, Joey. Give it to him, Joey. <laughs> and he just hits it. It's awesome. I love that because it's so surprising. You don't think about it. And then all of a sudden, bam, it's fantastic. Dude's got range. Yeah, he does. The dancing. That's the other thing that I think of when I, when I hear this song and I, think of them in those like the hip thrusts yeah (laughs) I wasn't I was gonna try and frame it a little bit more um delicately but yeah (laughs) now that you're just gonna throw it out there let's throw it out there yes the hip thrusts (laughs) (laughs) the fact that they got away with that on the Disney channel is is pretty hilarious (laughs) yeah there was there was some stuff you look back and go huh I mean, I'm audience members are quite young. <laughs> I mean, back to the back to the point that we constantly make of how young of an audience that boy bands are marketed to for better or for worse. But, you know, I was I was a few months shy of 10 when I saw this. I mean, it goes over your head at that age. Yeah, to a certain extent. But then there's also a part of you that's like, wait, there's 
something in my brain that's telling me that I like this. Yep. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Let's not forget the moment in the Disney Channel concert special when JC does the quote unquote jazz version of this song oh. on the piano, which isn't really jazz. <laughs> it's just a piano version of the song, but I appreciate his effort. <laughs> and honestly, I think this was the moment where I was like, oh my God, I love JC. And JC is the most talented member. <laughs> It lives rent-free in my head. <laughs> okay, so the next is Sailing. So the song is a JC-led song. He's the only featured soloist on the entire song. This is a Christopher Cross cover, and Drake also sampled NSYNC's version of this song, which was really interesting. And it's actually Chris's part that he samples, which I think is so cool. It's, it's really JC and Chris that are really the powerhouses of this song because JC is leading with all the solos and Chris is providing these unbelievably beautiful high harmonies and it just blows you away hearing it. This is one of those that I sort of zone out to and it's not in a bad way. It's just one of those where you turn it on and you close your eyes and just listen and just let your imagination run wild it's one of those songs when you hear it it just instantly calms you and relaxes you yeah i don't know of another boy band song that can do that no and i think that's that's unique in this song especially is that when you there's a lot of slow songs that are ballads where there's a lot of emotion in them and it's like, oh, baby, I miss you. And oh, we're so in love and blah, blah, blah. And you like want to make the dramatic hand gestures. This is not one of those songs. This is a just stop what you're doing and listen song. One of the coolest things about this song is when they do it live and the iconic flying it's just so cool to have seen this replicated in Turning Red with Four Town in their live performance. It just shows you how iconic of a performance this was for them and how it has a lasting impact. Yeah. And poor Chris, this I think was the beginning of their ongoing shtick where they would rig themselves up and fly themselves around and he has a phobia of heights poor guy sacrificing yep. his phobia yep. for the fans we appreciate it chris okay so the next song is giddy up and one of the cool things about this song is all of the guys got together to write this song this song just always makes me laugh because one it's ridiculous and two in the disney channel concert special when they're performing this song like immediately before it's lance's segment and he's riding on a horse Trying to be like, I'm just a boy from Mississippi. I ride horses. And he said in interviews, the song's not about riding a horse. (laughs) We know. (laughs) But Disney was probably like, okay, who's going to get up on a horse (laughs) so that we can intro the song? God. They were so proud of themselves too. <laughs> I want to. I want to know what the writing session for this song was. I w- I wish I could have been a fly in the, on the wall for that. 
Oh my God, I know. <laughs> Derical. And this, of course, is when Lance says the infamous girl, were you alone? Yes. Shout out again to girl, you were alone. We miss your podcast. Yeah. All right. So the last song is You Drive Me Crazy, which was on the UK version of the album, not the American version of the album. I never really cared for the song, to be honest. I I thought it was kind of boring. The only reason I have listened to this song is because of the music video. (laughs) Because they dress up as the Jackson 5, and they dress up as Spice Girls, and this is the music video that gave us Josh Spice. (laughs) (laughs) None of that has aged well. None of that has aged well. It really hasn't, but it's it's a funny music video. You just have to look at it in the context of it's a product of its time, I guess. Okay. So a couple of mentions that were also were not on the U.S. version of their debut album. The first is More Than a Feeling, which was on the 97 Germany release. It just, it's an incredible showcase of their harmonies. It's one of the most surprising harmony arrangements I've ever heard. I can listen to this song on repeat for hours same hours it's gorgeous it's gorgeous and it's it's perfect it's honestly one of my favorite and sing songs and I I talked about (laughs) I talked about this too with Sasha it's such an interesting song because it's almost completely acapella but there's like very light instrumentals in it very light yeah it's just so interesting how they were how it was all arranged I'm not going to say that I love this more than the original because I love the original, but I think I like them equally. Well, it it just goes to show like how amazingly well-written the original song is that it can translate so nicely into an acapella song. Yeah, this is, I, I think once we're done, I'm going to go and listen to this song <laughs> on repeat. Robin Wiley is just, a harmony arrangement genius who would think to make this Boston song into an acapella song. Like it's just, it's so cool. And it works and it, it works. It's magic. It's absolute magic. Okay. So the last song that I wanted to discuss was music of my heart. And this is the collaboration that they did with Gloria Stefan. And the interesting thing about this song was it was released in 1999 in between their debut album and their success in 98. And then it was right before No Strings Attached. I just remember when Music of My Heart came out, this was probably the peak of their fame. And not the peak, but you could like feel that something huge was coming from them. We were just so hungry for new sync stuff that when this song came out, it just, it blew up. I appreciate it. I appreciate the harmonies. I think Gloria Stefan is phenomenal. And I really appreciate what they were able to do with the collaboration. Yeah. And JC's harmony with Gloria on this song specifically is it's beautiful. Fun fact about this song. It was originally offered to the Backstreet Boys and they turned it down. Thanks, Backstreet. Thank you so much for listening to part one of our InSync episodes. Stay tuned for part two, where we discuss InSync's No Strings Attached and celebrity albums. 